It is the Love and Dumbcast. I'm Johnny. He's George, and it is it is game week. George, finally, finally, after so many weeks of waiting, uh, we get to play the opponent uh, that Ohio State um, has been salivating over, wanting to destroy. I am as excited as Tom Allen is. (laughs) That's right. Sure, he's had this circle on his calendar. Like, I can't wait. This is going to justify my entire career. Choice. Um, yeah. So Ohio State plays Indiana this weekend. I'm excited about it. Um, uh, Columbus West, aka Bloomington, Indiana, is excited about that. That should be fun. It should be a fun game. But here's the deal: being that it is the week before the first game, okay, the week of the first game, rather, we at the Dubcast are. I think contractually obligated or at least morally obligated to give you a bit of a season preview. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the team. We're going to talk about positional groups, how confident we feel in them to take Ohio state to the mountaintop. We will talk about Ohio state's upcoming opponents and you know what that looks like and kind of our confidence level and how they're going to beat them and all that great stuff. And uh, you know, during which we'll mix in some other things, and then finally we'll we'll end up with uh, briefly touching down on the actual first weekend of college football, which did ha- which did happen this weekend, um, and uh, maybe not super, uh, you know, relevatory, I guess, but we'll still be able to get some some content out of that. So, first of all, all right, how excited are you, George? for this Indiana game before we get into all this stuff. Are you, are you like pumped because it's the football season kind of meh? Cause it's an Indiana team that Ohio state should completely house. Where's your excitement level right now? Okay. Every year, what I've done in my, in my old age, my elder age of 29, <laughs> right. You know, so far removed from the, the glory years in Columbus. <laughs> now, Salad days are college. long gone. I mean, I was in college when they won a national championship, so it is the That's glory days are long in the rear view. But I do hope they come back soon. That being said, what I've done as you know, I've I've gone on from that time is I, I try not to get too like wrapped up in the process of what's going on because I remember going into that national championship season, I got to campus in August, super excited. And then on the first day, Braxton uh, Miller was out for the year right? Uh, with injury. So it completely sabotaged all the excitement that uh, I had and my roommates and everything had going into uh, what was ultimately a national championship winning season. So you don't necessarily know how these things are going to go. And you should just be grateful for when the fact that this is an annual tradition for all of us and that we're getting it back it is starting up for us again this saturday so i'm as excited as i could be for any other opener uh, i'm getting one of the happiest things in my life back i i'm so grateful and blessed that i get to do this show where i get to espouse my ridiculous opinion about this <laughs> team and this program and uh, all the characters attached to it, and uh, this is uh, this is it, Johnny. This is why we do this. We've been we we trudge through the off season with our loyal listeners through the Ask Us Anything's and the and the other you know off season content segments just to get to the show. This is 
this is it. And, you know, I, I may be tongue in cheek at the start and giving Tom Allen grief, but I'm telling <laughs> you, man, I mean, this is, I mean, it, it, well, maybe for him it is. I oh, mean, if well. he's listening, he's probably like, listen, I have had this circled on my calendar That's and right. I, I, I am looking forward Loyal to Loyal listener, Tom, Tom Allen is going to be uh, pretty upset that we um, are giving him the short shrift over there at Indiana. Um, are you as excited as me though, John? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, you know, the thing is, is like for me, I'm most interested in college football in Ohio state when there's an evolution, right? When there's something that has to change, when there's something where a team that has all the talent in the world, all these ridiculous expectations, but they have to do something interesting or different to get to where they want to be. Ohio state has to be that team this year. They have to change some things. They have to figure out some things as they go along. And that process is what I am drawn to every year because teams change significantly from the end of August, early September through the end of the season. And that process, like I said, is, is really cool and fun to watch. It's also cool and fun to watch if your team that you're rooting for is Ohio state, because generally you're, you're still going to win a lot of games, right? You still have a lot of talent. Um, If you're a fan of maybe like, you know, the aforementioned Indiana or Rutgers or somebody, maybe that's not as fun. Right. But you know, for Rutgers, Ohio State, Rutgers is a basketball school now. Well, that's true. Football. And they're going to start smoking dudes. We'll talk about that probably in a few months here. But long story short, I'm excited because I think this is a team with a ton of talent that's got a lot of cool things that they could potentially do that people haven't seen before. Um, and I think the defense is going to really like jump out at people in a lot of ways. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think even the first few weeks before we get to a big marquee matchup uh, are still going to be really interesting because, you know, you're going to learn a lot about this team and, and know players and, and positional groups that you really hadn't thought about maybe in a couple of years. So I think that's pretty cool. And what we're going to do to kind of get started with all of this is we're going to go through those positional groups and we're going to kind of rank them based on how confident we are and their ability to get to uh, Ohio state to the mountaintop. So, from a scale of one to 10, one being like Lydell Ross rushing for like, you know, 10 yards on 14 carries against Iowa or something like that. And, you know, 10 being, you know, like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, putting on, you know, doom God mode and then just running over Alabama and Oregon. The point is, is that we want to know how effective these guys are going to be. How much confidence do we have in them to be great on a week in, week out basis? Um, and so we're just going to look at the positional groups and kind of give our thoughts on that. Afterwards, we'll talk a little about the opponents and things. Uh, and of course, not before we get to ask us anything. Uh, but let's go ahead and start, I think, on the the juiciest topic, which is, of course, the quarterback position. And, you know, Dan put out his uh, his projected three deep. Dan Hope, our own very own Dan Hope, who we hold in very high esteem, uh, believes that Devin Brown has the inside track on this. Now, I'm on record as saying I think Kyle McCord probably is simply because we're talking about a guy uh, with more experience. And my personal opinion is that college coaches tend to go for consistency and predictability over potential. But I think it's completely, um, you know, I, I think it's a totally fair take. I think it makes total sense to say the opposite, which is you want that potential. And you, you think that, you know, because Kyle McCord hasn't like actually shut the door on this competition, then it's got to be Devin Brown's to lose then. Right. So I don't know. I still think Kyle McCord's the dude. Um, in terms of confidence, Ryan Day has proven that he can mold these guys into pretty amazing quarterbacks, and, and including guys that you 
didn't know who they were ahead of time. Uh, both McCord and Brown are really talented guys. Whoever he picks, I still like. I'm looking at a six or seven out of this uh, this group. They don't have to be great. I don't think they'll necessarily be like Heisman winners, but I still think they're going to be very good. So, in spite of what some frontline beat journalists, deputy <laughs> editors, the SOBs, the, the opinion shapers of the Dubcast have been saying for weeks that it's Kyle McCord's job to lose. Right. With no actual <laughs> now, evidence. That, right. Now, now, what I, I do think is interesting, um, Dan does bring up a good point, which is that the the long-term trend for these quarterback battles is that when you have a presumed winner going in and then the battle is taken as long as it has, the edge goes to the underdog. In this case, that would be Devin Brown. Mm-hmm. It goes to the younger side that has perhaps shown a bit more of a spark in this battle, uh, has surprised more, has illustrated more growth and satisfied more objectives for that development that the team wants to see than uh, perhaps the person presumed to be favored to win the job has. So we're not obviously privy to that, um, but it's, it is interesting that Dan frames what's going on here in that long-term context. Right. My confidence for how this affects the success of the team, as we sit, it these guys can end up proving us wrong one way or the other because we're still just sitting at the outset of the season. Um, but I know based on what McCord showed in very brief relief stints last year, there wasn't anything that made me outright think this guy doesn't deserve an opportunity to start for this team next year. Right. He played, he did fine. He had a very high completion percentage. I think he only threw like one touchdown, but he hardly needed to do anything. It was the CJ Stroud show. What makes me concerned is that in the last decade of history for this team, when we have seen this team in a similar position where we had a a slam, I don't want to say slam dunk, but you had the more proven commodity in JT Barrett opposite the presumed more upside option in Cardale Jones, um, and they ultimately ended up going with Jones, and it ended up proving to be the wrong decision even though it didn't necessarily put the team in a position where it cost them a win well it did end up long term yeah not being the best thing for the team just for their whole season and one of the reasons they didn't satisfy expectations coming off the national championship but i only bring that up as an example of you don't even if you're looking at the underdog in the quarterback battle where you've got a really talented supporting cast and saying, Oh, we can't necessarily lose because we've got two really good options. That isn't necessarily the case when the underdog doesn't have the experience factor that the older guy does. And even though both of them are unproven, 
the reality is that Brown's experience in no way compares to what McCord has already been able to put up in the in the years that he's been here. So I'm I'm hopeful for my own optimism about the team that McCord wins, but I'll give my belief to Devin Brown. I just am not feeling great about if he's named the starter strictly based on my own concerns about what I've seen with this program when it's gone with the the underdog option in these battles in the past. Here's the only thing I'll say about that. I do think that's a fair perspective, and I am generally pretty skeptical of quarterback battles that go this far into, you know, camp and then even As into in the season which is totally fair because again it's about reps right it's about developing rapport with wide receivers you know getting timing down correctly all that kind of stuff it's really hard and, to do and, that. and establishing a clear leader for yeah. the team As right go if you have two quarterbacks you really have none as the, as yes. the saying and that's whatever. difficult the only thing i'll say is that i think when i thought about this one of the things about comparing this quarterback competition between uh you know uh, Brown and McCord with the competition between JT Barrett and Cardell Jones is that with Urban Meyer's system, right? The quarterbacks were going to basically have to do what a quarterback is expected to do in that system. And they went with Cardell Jones and I, that was just a bad fit because they had no intention of adjusting the offense to his talents, which is silly. I mean, what's, it's not just silly. It's insane because you saw what he did, Right in the uh, Big Ten Championship and then the college football playoff, like the guy is not going to do JT Barrett style things, but they wanted him to. In, in 2015, they're like, all right, who's going to be the quarterback for this offense? As opposed to who's going to be the quarterback that we're going to build an offensive round. I think Ryan Day is a lot smarter than that. I think he'll, like Devin Brown and Kyle McCord are not the same guy. Um, they have different styles. They do different things. And I think, uh, I think Ryan Day is smart enough to understand that. So it's not just going to be like, you know, who wins the competition. It's also going to be, I think, which quarterback uh, benefits the team overall in terms of what they're able to bring to the table. So in that sense, I can understand why it takes a little bit longer to figure that thing out. And I also think that whoever they pick, if they're willing to actually adjust the offense, right, to what that guy is capable of doing, then I think you're going to see maybe an easier transition than if it were like, all right, well, now you've got to do the, you know, the, the quarterback read and then run it up the gut five times a game. Like that's, that's something that they're going to have to figure out. So again, I have a pretty, I, I'm still confident that they're going to get this done um, again, six or seven in terms of confidence that, that this is going to be a guy who, who does his job and does it well. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I can understand where this could be like a complete you know chaos thing and just doesn't work out at all. I, I just don't see it with a guy like Ryan day at the helm. I'll give McCord an eight and Brown a six, and we'll uh, even it out there. It's solid. Split the difference. All right, running back. This is where I am extremely bullish on Ohio State, and not even because I think the top – I mean, look, we're going to get into this. The best running back duo in the Big Ten and probably the country is is in Ann Arbor right now. However, at Ohio State, you have got – an enormous amount of guys who can go out there and start for basically any team in the country. Um, But Trayvon Henderson coming back, I mean, guy who people have just been raving about in camp. He's got his, you know, a chip on his shoulder. He's got his attitude out. He's, he's, he's out there ready to, you know, I think prove himself in a lot of ways after a really disappointing last season that was obviously marred by injury. You got chop out there who, I mean, Maya Williams, man, like, 
He's a violent runner. He brings something different. All of these guys do different. Dallin Hayden even was able to get some like really positive reps last season. He's going to be a factor. And then you've got Evan Pryor out there. I just, all of these dudes combined. I mean, yes, you know, and I've said this about the running back position, maybe more than any other position that you want to get consistent reps. But honestly, I just think that they are all so different that the way that they're going to be deployed, particularly with like Evan Pryor catching passes out of the backfield, even, I mean, shoot, even Mayan Williams doing that. Um, they're going to be really difficult for other teams to handle, particularly if they're worried about Emeka and Marvin and all these other guys uh, stretching the field. So I'm really excited about this, uh, this unit. I think even if they you know, get an injury or two, God forbid, they will still be very, very difficult for other opposing defenses to handle um, in both the passing game and the running game. So I'm like an eight or nine, I think, yeah, with, with my confidence level on this, this group, they will be consistently very, very good. I think. I, I, I follow that track of thinking. I, I want to see their health hold up just because I know how snake bitten they've been top to bottom. Oh, sure. And it's so easy for us to forget and for the national landscape to forget that last year, this team got absolutely mauled by injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. Not just Jackson Smith and Jigba, but also Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams mm-hmm. at times, to the point where Dallin Hayden actually out-carried Travion Henderson last year by four touches. That's wild. Uh, yeah, but th- I looked that up last uh, this past week myself. I couldn't believe it. He had one less rushing touchdown, I believe, than uh, Travion Henderson did. I, I had and, no idea. But that's that's crazy to me. That's that's seriously nuts. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, it, Travion was hurt for most of last year, and it wasn't just him. I mean, Pryor was gone. Like they were expecting Pryor to be the X factor, like the role that you've been very optimistic about prior playing this year in the offense, he was going to play for them last year. And then he, they didn't have another guy that was ready to go equipped to do that. And they kind of developed Xavier Johnson into being able to do that towards the end of the season. Now they've got two guys that are equipped to do that. Plus you have someone like Mayan Williams, who's, you know, the, the, how many goal line backs can do, you know, tiptoe <laughs> sideline route catches the way that he can. The standard you want for an NFL team is a pair and a spare. Yeah. They've got that. They've got like two pairs and two spares. Yeah. They got a number of dudes that can go out there. And like I said, it can start for anybody. Um, and that's why my confidence level, like I said, it's like eight or nine with these guys. I'm, I'm yeah, super for, confident for a program that holds themselves to professional standards. This is a, this is a professional caliber room. And if their health holds up, I think that it's, that's going to be reflected and they've all, yep. they've all got roles to play, you know, Travion, your early down back that can do whatever you want. Prior can be your third down and long back. Williams can be your third down and short and your goal line back. Mm-hmm. You've got Dallin hated in to spell any one of those roles really as needed. Right. They've got so many, so much different variety. And then you add in Xavier Johnson to occasionally into the mix. Right. They've uh, they're, they're going to be in a big position to succeed. So I, I would say about, I'm going to say an eight only because I, I, I want to see the health for all of them hold up. If it does, 
this is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Easy. And I think that's, Easy. and that's, and, but that's a perfectly reasonable take to have, particularly after last year. I'm glad you pointed that out. All right. Wide receiver. We don't even really have to spend a ton of time on this. This is a 10 out of 10 easily. Look, no, they're not that good. I, yeah, don't, I, don't I don't know. We'll see. You know what's funny? I'm sure there's somebody out there. I'm sure there's some Michigan fan or somebody else trying to be like, eh, but what? How good are they really? And like, they don't. They don't have Heartline anymore to prop them up. He's <laughs> offensive coordinator now. That's, that's right. Ten out of ten. Um, I'm sure you agree. It's it's pretty sick. And I'm, I mean, I wrote an article last week where I said Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to win the Heisman there you Trophy. Go. So I think that kind of speaks to where my opinion is at on the subject. Easy peasy. Uh, tight end. Um, we've got team captain, Captain Cave Stover. Uh, you know, he's got that kind of locked down, I think, just in terms of like, you know, leadership and snaps and all that, because I think he's reliable, but like, at an agricultural university, you don't think this guy's <laughs> going to be the captain? That's right. Harkening back to our A&M roots at all. Call him Cade Land Grant Stover for nothing. That's right. Uh, but Joe Royer, he's got, I think both of those guys, um, it might bring a little bit more than maybe what we've seen out of Cade sometimes. Super inconsistent. I want to see Cade be more consistent than he's been in the past, uh, to say the least. And it's not, you know... It's not like I'm necessarily disappointed with the tight end room because I don't think they're going to be called on to do a whole hell of a lot this season. I mean, there's just there's just too much talent at the the wide receiver and running back positions, but uh, you still got to block well. You know, you still got to be able to like you know run routes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but again, Cade, not my favorite guy in terms of like impact offensively on the team. I, I would put this at like maybe a five. He's not going out there and like catching twenty touchdowns or anything like that. You're, you're not uh, going to see it wrong. Farmer well, wrong. That meme. That meme is dead. I, it depends on who you ask. Now I'll I'll say as long as we get out of this season, uh, you know, hell hell hath no fury like Ramsey scoring. So <laughs> yeah, as not. long as Cade gets out of this without pissing off the wrong people, <laughs> I, I'll say it was a successful outing. All right. Now if we're calling this based on productivity versus potential impact good or bad i would say I it's more just like impact. ability to like you know prop the team up to do what you're supposed to do not make mistakes so, okay make so we're better. focusing on the positive yeah. not the negative then. yeah okay in in that case yeah i mean i'm gonna say it's like a three okay. or a four because not anything against him we just it, we said it last week the narrative every year is this is going to be a banner year for tight ends at Ohio right. State, and then it's not. Feel that you want to see them do their job, which is great, but that's that that job is mostly blocking. I think this season at, um, at, the, at this school it is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, okay, let's go to offensive line. Offensive line is really interesting this year because Ohio State obviously they're trying to figure out a lot of positions, uh, particularly at um, at left tackle and at center. Um, you know, Donovan Jackson, I mean, he's the starting left guard. He's the guy who's going to be doing it. That's great. I, I think that's solid. Um, I am interested to see how the center position works out and, and what kind of like, um, you know, rapport there is between, you know, presumptive starter. I think uh, Carson Hensman's probably going to be the guy for that. Um, uh, and, you know, whoever the quarterback is. I, I like Josh Fryer a lot. I think I think he is going to be pretty good. 
Uh, I've heard a lot about Luke Montgomery. I think there's a lot of talent here. There just isn't a lot of experience. Luckily, they're going to have a few games to get up to speed and, and warm up and, and figure out what they need to do. I just don't know if there's any guy where they're like, this is our pulling guard, right? This is the dude who if we we have to do X, Y, and Z, we're going to make sure that we just line up behind the guy and get it done. I don't know that they necessarily have that. Um, I think Donovan Jackson's really good, but I also don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be like a strength of the team. I, I, think it, I don't think they're going to be bad, but um, – I don't know. I'm interested to see how well they perform, particularly coming off a season where Ohio State did not have a ton of like false starts, penalties. They they did a very good job of keeping that locked down. It was a very disciplined unit last year. Uh, kept CJ Stroud's you know shirt pretty clean. Um, they got a lot to live up to. So for me, this is a six, and I, I want them to be better. I, I hope they'll be better. I hope that they'll make a, a huge impact and take over games. But I got to see it first. There's a lot of talent, but it's it's a lot of new faces too. Well, you, the thing you got to remember too is that this is a coach that's now in the second year of uh, managing his offensive line at this program. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you you got to take the results of last year um, with a grain of salt in terms of the negative because there's there's going to inevitably grow, be growing pains when you have a coach uh, transitioning into a new program to your point, the penalties were down last year, I think relative to what we had seen Mm -hmm. some of the more recent seasons, which is encouraging to see. I know that for the Michigan game, they were up, but that might've been more of a team wide thing um, than specific to the offensive line. But um, I, I would say I'm a bit more optimistic than, than you just because I know that base, Notre Dame notwithstanding, which I think is going to be more of a challenge for the defense than uh, the offense necessarily. Um, this is uh, the season is effectively a dress rehearsal for the Michigan game. Right. And that means you've got over two and a half months to get right for prime time. That's two and a half months for a new line to build chemistry and to do it with a supporting cast that is going to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that they do generate to allow the skill players to succeed, which in turn is going to build their confidence as they rise up and uh, meet those opportunities. I, I think uh, Donovan Jackson is somebody that, although not what you would say right now is like the reliable pulling and slamming guard, I could see him becoming something closer to that towards the end of the season as he has those moments of success as Travion Henderson gets freed or as Xavier Johnson busts like down the sideline or something. So it, uh, I am confident. I, I, I'm very, very optimistic about Josh Fryer. I, I like him a lot. I, in my, uh, in our, in our rankings that we, Dan asked us to submit for our top 25 players on the team at the moment, I had Fryer. I think I had him at nine, but I did have him in the top 10 on the team. I did want to accurately reflect at least one offensive lineman uh, in this group among the top 10 on the current starters right now. So I, I didn't have any of the other starting offensive linemen in there, but that's largely just because of, as you were alluding to, a lot of uh, unproven uh, yet to yet to see 
uh, boxes to be checked for a lot of these guys. Right. I think many of them are going to rise to the occasion and meet that because they've got a great coach and they're in a great system and they've all got opportunities to uh, improve and succeed. Only time will tell if they're going to be ready for going to Ann Arbor in November because that's the most important thing. But as far as the season-long outlook goes, whole product considered, I'd say I'm at a 7. I would like to be more confident in than that, but I just I do recognize what you do with the inexperience factor. But I also think that they're in an opportunity where they're going to prove that they're they're going to be not a reason that this offense uh, if it does hit turbulence, it, it, it's not going to be because they're consistently failing on a pass protection front or even in the rushing attack. Right. And I think especially because of how much uh, injuries, how many injuries the running backs dealt with last year, if their health does hold up, there's only going to be uh, more people that are actively available to take advantage of what does happen along the line of scrimmage. Right. So I think it'll be better for everyone involved. Okay. Let's go ahead and go to the defensive line. And that's, that's a spot where you've got a decent amount of experience coming back. Some new guys, uh, but I, you know what? D end. I mean, JT, I mean, Tumalo is, is, I mean, you saw at Penn State, he's got all the talent in the world. He is a guy who can take over games, has the potential, you know, potential to do that. I don't think he's going to be Chase Young. I don't think he's going to be Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa. Um, I do think he can be very, very good. But consistency is something that you're going to have to see from that guy because I think defensively, particularly on the defensive line, but, you know, just in general in terms of scheme, they're going to rely on that guy a lot to generate pressure on the quarterback. Jack Sawyer is a guy who I think has played a lot more like I don't know. I mean, you know, go back to like a guy like John Simon. I know he's an end, but like he doesn't strike me as a game changer. I mean, he's a guy who can be very consistent, do some good things, but I don't think you're seeing 10 sacks out of this dude. So this, I think it's a defensive line, you know, with Mike Hall, who is really great at no, you know, at the, you know, no tackle position. Um, I think that this is a good defensive line. I, I do. I think they're very good. I think they're, they're talented. I don't know that they're disruptive. Right. So, and, and granted, that's not like exactly what they're being asked to do in this scheme, right? It, they're not, this is not the scheme where you're asking a guy like Chase Young to go out and, and just, you know, harass the quarterback every single play. Like they're, they're, they're attempting to funnel players towards Ohio State's linebackers and safeties, limit big gains, um, stop big rushing plays, that kind of stuff. Now, how much success they had last year is debatable, but it's not, they're, they're being asked to do something a little bit different. Um, with the scheme that Jim Knowles has. And I think they're good at executing it. I just don't know that I, I see consistent stars there. Like I said, JT has the ability to do that if he wants to do it on a regular basis. Um, but I don't know that I, I don't think we can expect a Penn State performance out of that dude every week. I don't think anybody could because that's one of the craziest defensive performances I've ever seen. Um, but something close to that every game, that would be pretty sick. If they can achieve that, if a guy like Jack Sawyer can achieve that and live up to some of the hype that he came in with, you know, this is a nine, this is like eight or nine, you know, rank kind of, kind of, uh, unit. This is a unit that I'm like, this is amazing as it is. I think it's more like a seven. Uh, not that they're not good. They're very good. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I mean, but I'm, just, I'm just saying how I feel, man. Say that to Larry Johnson's face, Johnny. Look, it's not, again, it's not that they're bad. They're, this is still a very good unit, but they're not 
going to win games uh, by by themselves. They're not going to have. They're not a bunch of dudes out there who can go and just you know completely shut down another team's uh, running game or passing game. I, I think okay. they'll be very good in what their job is, but I don't you know expect a whole lot more than that. So it's it's good that you acknowledge the ends, you know. And again, I I, I too am a bit. Uh, worried about Mr. Sawyer just relative to, oh, is this guy a jack linebacker or is he an undersized defensive end? Right. Either way, he's not getting the sacks that we thought he was going to get, Correct. so that's not great. Um, but you didn't acknowledge the beef, so let me let me do two quick things here. <laughs> Number one, okay. free tie leak. Number is, two. And he is great. That And, and, and the, the interior of the line is very, very solid. You're right. I should have I should have acknowledged that. But here's the but here's my other point too is that very early on in the season last year uh, there was a guy named Michael Hall Jr. who was wrecking it yeah. all the time was the best player on the defense yes. in the early going of last year yes to the shock of many many people yeah myself included then he got hurt right and they just kind of lost that production for a big bulk of the season yeah if that guy's health holds up in tandem with JT and Tyleek next to him and whoever else they want to get in the rotation in there, as Larry Johnson has proven, he's more than capable of managing that rotation. This is an eight cautiously for me. The ceiling is a 10 every year because of what the standard of excellence for this program is. So, I'm saying eight right now just for the same reason I was with the running backs in terms of I need to see Hall's health hold up. But if that guy is available for all the snaps that they want to deploy him on with the other talent that they have coming back that's going to be more experienced now, it, that that defense was largely the product of its linebackers last year. Right, But this season – I think that the stars of this defense can be the line again if they can all stay healthy for right. the greater well, and that's, portion. Of and that's a pretty big caveat, but, um, you know, I, I can understand where you're coming from on that, and I, I, I just want to see the consistency. But speaking of the linebackers, I got to tell you something. First of all, people understand, I think at this point, that Tommy Eichenberg is, is very, very good at his job. Um, he's gotten a lot of love nationally. I think people are starting to kind of, like, wise up that Ohio State's Linebackers are much better than they've been in the past. But with the addition of C.J. Hicks uh, to that rotation, I think Cody Simon's been very good. Um, Steel Chambers, I think, is is a lot better than I think he gets credit for sometimes. Um, this is a super solid group. And, you know, again, are they are they going to be out there reviving everybody's memories of, like, A.J. Hawk and company? I don't know. Tommy might. A couple of the dudes might. C.J. Hicks probably has the talent to. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I have a lot of confidence in these guys, particularly their ability. I mean, one of the things that we were so frustrated with three or four years ago with Ohio state's linebackers was just, they would just get beat. I mean, you'd see tough Borle on a guy like, right. You know, he'd rack up all these sacks and then just take the worst possible angle on a guy and just get just completely smoked because he could not keep up. Tommy Eichenberg in that dude, Tommy Eichenberg can get to a guy. Steel chambers can get to a guy. They're athletic, they're fast, they're smart, um, and like I said, they've just add, added uh, you know some guys who can who can really tear it up. So this is a, a pretty good unit for me. I, I think they're eights, and um, you know with the potential to be even better, depending on you know how CJ six or goodness CJ Hicks and uh, Cody Simon come in and, and contribute. 
I think the greatest testament to Jim Knowles' ability as a coach is the immediate turnaround you saw from Eichenberg. Oh, because, goodness, yeah. I mean, the, the first year that he was playing as the starter, I mean, I, I was having Vietnam-like flashbacks to tough Borland in terms of what you were just alluding to with the, the missing lanes and gaps and whatnot. It was, it was tragic. And then he had a huge Rose Bowl in which I think he had something like 18 tackles yeah, or ridiculous, something. Yeah. But tough Borland himself, I had to remember, would have some games of that, you know, standing. That was, I believe he had a similar tally in the uh, his national championship in which he famously tried to track down uh, Devontae Smith in uh, man coverage. But the reason I bring that up is because I, when I saw Eichenberg finish with that total, I thought, oh, it was just one of those Borland games where because it's a high pace and the, the tackling is, right. you know, they're giving up forward yards on every play. Right. He's Of course, he's going to have tackles in the middle of the field constantly. So I didn't think much of it. But then Knowles gets here and then Eichenberg gets installed and he has the season that he did last year. And uh, it he was not good for most of that season before he had the Rose Bowl. No, he was but then, completely inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. And he was one of the best players in the defense last year. And the guy that you can, when you run the tape between those two seasons, you see schematically him filling his lanes right. in the way that he wasn't doing that consistently to get tackles and stop runs before they were able to get you know to the the three yard of gain point or something like he was shutting it down in a way that he wasn't doing it as consistently the year before and it it just makes you wonder how these other guys that got this slanderous rep uh for being these low quality ohio state linebackers over the last half decade prior to the last uh you know, turnaround, it it just makes you wonder how much of it was really a product of coaching mm-hmm. and them being put in a product a, a position to succeed versus you know the talent and ability that they were actually putting out onto the field. So I this is the second year for Jim Knowles. I think so many of these players getting experience in this complicated scheme last year is really going to help them this year just go out and deploy their knowledge without thinking about it as much. Right. So the linebackers are the heart of this group. They're going to be the most experienced. Uh, it's a 10 out of 10 for me, absolutely, okay. based on last year. Well, let's talk about the DBs. Uh, so cornerback is, I think, in a, you know, a position of huge consternation for Ohio State fans in a lot of ways, just because of how Ohio State got beat last year, right? In the last two games, and you've got you know notable failures at the ends of games where you're like, okay, well, or you know, in Michigan's case, throughout the game, um, Burke, yeah, he got crapped on a lot last year. I, I think some of it earned, some of it not. Um, you know, across the field there on the other side, you're going to have Jordan Hancock. Um, you got in, you know, you got a transfer from Ole Miss. You got some new guys coming in. Obviously, I mean, I think the one that everybody is like super, super excited about is of course going to be uh, Sonny Styles, who, you know, at this point, you know, 
locked in, right? I mean, that's a dude who I think pretty much everybody is like, this is going to be the Ohio State's all-world guy who's going to play all over the field. I mean, they've got him, you know, technically at like nickel safety or whatever, but he's going to be, you know, Sam linebacker. I mean, the guy's going to be everywhere. He's gigantic. Um, you know, you got Jahad Carter down there at, sa- at free safety. Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor were kind of up and down, but I think Lathan is generally pretty good. I, I think he had a couple bad games, um, you know, here and there during the season. Uh, I don't think that means he's a bad player. Uh, but I just – I want to see what this unit looks like with another year under Jim Knowles. And I think they're going to be a lot better. I think they're going to be more consistent. And I think with the addition of Styles, they're going to be a lot tougher and, and scarier to kind of like, you know, throw against. So – I'm I'm excited for the potential. I still think they're going to be. A, I'm, I'm still giving them a seven in terms of my confidence level right now. Uh, but I think that can they can bump up pretty easily as the season goes on. D, DBs are the second most thankless position group after offensive oh, yeah. linemen in yeah. the sport because um, you only really see their failure. You know what I mean? Like unless they're intercepting the ball. I mean, it's it's one of those things where they get all the crap even when they do. You see perfectly. their. You, you see their pass breakups too, but their their failures are, are magnified in comparison to their successes. Right. And even with that standing, I, I, I'm still at a wait and see uh, place with just about every single member of this DB unit, whether it's from frustration with their recent performance or just not having the experience despite the optimism and you combine that with a defensive coordinator whose mentality last year was we can give up five bombs a game and I'll live with that at the expense of calling an aggressive defense that will you know blitz the house on third and long right at the cost of giving up a a a you know 80 yard touchdown pass to Michigan that ends up tying the game or something. So right. it uh it's DBs with a defensive coordinator that thinks like that are not going to be put in a position to succeed. Um Knowles has said he wants to correct that this year, but again, that's easier said than done and seeing is believing. So I'll when we get to these third and out situations where we need to be conservative to make sure to get them off the field rather than, you know, try to get another sack or get the quarterback to make a mistake or something. I would feel much better if Knowles airs on the side of caution. And I think that's going to help the players feel more relaxed and comfortable. So where you have the young guys like Sonny styles that can get, um, you know, the experience that they need rather than worry about being a playmaker right away or the new transfers like Jihad Carter that need to get comfortable in this new system or the guys like Denzel Burke that are experienced in the system but need to start having more success in it than what they had uh, relative to last year. So I'm I'm at like a four okay. uh, just because I I don't, I can't point to any one member of this group and say, this is the guy I'm most confident in. And you combine that with the context of how we know the coach likes to, or the coordinator likes to operate. It's a thankless position where you see the failures all the time. I think you're going to see whatever failures this defense does have. The front seven is not going to get blamed for it. 
it's going to fall predominantly on the DBs, right. which has kind of been the theme of criticism for a lot of the of it in recent seasons anyway. But it's a bit disappointing for a school that was ready to frame itself as DBU as early as when Denzel uh, Ward got drafted to the Browns a few seasons ago. It's We've seen a bit of a fall off, and, and it's been a little disappointing because for the last decade – certainly almost the entire time that Urban Meyer was head coach, at least defensive back quality play was a staple of success for how this school won its football games. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, okay. So we'll wrap this up uh, just real quick, quickly with uh, special teams. We got, uh, obviously you got kind of a new situation that kicker, uh, Jesse Mirko is still there at punter. Um, you know, you can kind of guess probably who the kickoff returns me. Xavier Johnson uh, did that for the most part last year, did a good job. Uh, Mecca's probably going to be the punt returner. Um, I'm excited. I, you know, I think in general, this will be a unit that will be solid, but also not relied upon a ton. Um, but I, you know, again, I, I like everybody there. It'll be interesting to see if you have consistency at the field goal uh, kicker position, somebody who's going to actually be able to go out there and, you know, Jaden Fielding, you, you, you know, they, they have kind of this ongoing competition. This is maybe the second, uh, maybe less talked about uh, ongoing competition, uh, positional competition on the team. But uh, you want to see consistency there. You want to see a guy who can get you uh, the, the field goals that you really need. And I don't know. I, I think it'll be fine. I mean, Ohio State under Ryan Day is not a team that's relied a ton on field goals. I hope that continues to be the case in 2023. Um, and I think if it is, I think if you're really worried about whether Jaden Fielden's going to be like, you know, an elite guy or Parker Lewis, whoever ends up, you know, it being the dude, um, then you've got bigger issues to worry about, I think, on the team. So I'll give him a solid, you know, I'll give him an eight just because I like all the positional guys who are going to be doing kind of the, you know, returning duties and all that stuff. Uh, but that, that again, depends a lot on how the field goal unit works. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go like six just because – Ruggles was ice his like whole career basically yeah and then had one of the most inexplicable misses you've we've ever seen yeah I mean have the season go up in smoke it's, sure and I don't I don't like hold it against him I don't personally against or anything they ran him out there with like a second left and he had no time to set up or prepare and it was a I know field goal. yeah but I my point is you you can say I, I'm confident that special teams is going to contribute in this way this season. And in the case of if you thought Ruggles was going to be a slam dunk last year, which most people did, he was. Yeah. Up until the one moment that they needed him to be more than ever, and he couldn't be. And you don't hold it personally against the guy because of all the other things that he did for the team. But it's just my point with special teams in terms of how confident can you feel? I, it's it's an ask me every time they line up to kick basis for me right. going forward. I can't sit, make any sweeping judgments months out after what just happened. Though. That's fair, and that's totally fair. So overall, look, I'm excited about this team. I think in terms of my like total confidence and how they're going to do, I think it's uh, like a seven or an eight. Um, I think that potential can go higher. They, they have the talent. They have the skills. I just need to see consistency, and then some of these younger guys step up. They're going to have the time to do that. They're going to have the time to prove that against teams, particularly in a, uh, a season that's super backlogged. I mean, you've got a lot of big-time games coming up um, towards the end of that uh, that slate. 
Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I, you know, like I said, I'm excited to see how it plays out. And um, I think they're going to be a really good team. I mean, obviously, I mean, that's, you know, no, no kidding, right? It's Ohio State. But it doesn't feel as, it feels more loose than in previous seasons. It feels like there's something where they have something to prove. They've got something to play for, and they've got a bit of chip on their shoulder. And I like watching a team like that. I like watching a team that's that pissed off. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Going to the shit, baby. (laughs) So we will uh, talk more about uh, that upcoming slate here in a few seconds, and then we'll also get to ask us anything. But before we do that, we do want to introduce you to a sponsor of the Love Numbcast, One Medical. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health, too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-Bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And the relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. All right, that was onemedical.com. Let's get it Ask Us Anything. I want to remind you that you can send us questions to the Dubcast by sending them to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, and we love answering everything, but particularly things about the football season, since that's now upon us. This is from Kevin. Uh, who do you think will get more carries this year, Williams or Henderson? Number of carries, please. And assuming that they each, each miss three games every year with injuries. <laughs> Let's just stick with it. Anyway, context. Let's, yeah, let's just stick. First of all, I'm, I'm not gonna knock on wood. They're not. Neither of these guys are getting injured. They're gonna feel great all season. Um, let's just answer the base question: Who do you think gets more carries, Williams or Henderson? I'll say Williams. You think? Why would you say my? I'm I'm curious about that because I would say Henderson just because I think of the way he's been performing in camp. Because I expect number one, I expect Henderson to miss time, and number two, I would think that. Williams is more of an attrition, a runner that is equipped to deal with attrition than Henderson is, which is a role that necessitates more carries. Okay. So I will say it will be Williams. I'll, but in terms of playing time, I mean, in terms of raw touches, you might see Henderson in terms of carries and catches equal out with what Williams gets. But in terms of pure carries on the ground, I'm going to say it'll be my end. Okay. I think that's fair. I, I would have put it just on Henderson in general um, in terms of snaps, but I think you're right. I think that's a good way to, to kind of put it. And Williams might end up being on top of that. Uh, this is from listener Craig. Uh, this isn't really a question, but uh, just kind of an interesting uh, point here, talking about a, uh, a player, the late Joel Payton. Um, this is somebody that maybe we should talk about during the season. He, uh, Craig sent a bunch of really great uh, information about the dude and, um, you know, I think that's – I appreciate you sending that in. I will send that on to Ramsey. I'll send that on to uh, to Dan and all the guys and Andy. And, um, you know, we'll definitely take a look at that. Thank you, Craig. This next one is from our good friend Alvin Lynn. <laughs> uh, if you could only watch one TV show for the remainder of your life, what show are you watching on repeat? George Eisner. That's a good question. Um God, I, you know, I, SVU reruns in college were so, they were so great for me. The, the, did you ever watch that Law and Order era? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Yes. That's, that was like, I'm, I'm a 38 year old man. That was like prime time for me. Yeah. Benson and Stabler era was like quality. Any, 
everything after season 12 is garbage and i don't they apparently they like rebooted it and yeah they, they like, brought them back bring it. To like, yeah. yeah but it's just like some ploy to get like them to watch chris maloney's new law and order like, <laughs> oh yeah that's right under, yeah, he's like doing an underground criminal investigation right. thing it's like while lives going off on like 25 seasons of law and it's like oh okay now it's a whole will they or won't they thing because uh apparently stabler's wife is out of the picture now finally after 25 <laughs> i was seasons. gonna say after like 30 years yeah his kids are still around but you know who cares what they think about you know what her, right? law, so. law and order of any of any uh shade is a uh is a great choice i think uh just because i, I i've never gone outside of svu, SVU i mean i watched the crap out of SVU. place in my heart i watched the crap out of svu back in the day i watched the crap out of vanilla law and order um I've just seen all those episodes 10,000 times. And so like, I don't know that I can make that. That's a great choice, but I don't know that I can make that my choice. I think um, my actual choice would be it's always sunny in Philadelphia because oh I've seen that I've seen every episode of that show at least ten times. Yeah, but that's I'll still really good. Ten more times, especially with the volume of seasons. That's actually a really good choice. Dang. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. I was actually, you know what? I was actually, <laughs> I was, uh, I, t- I had a little bit of a road trip today, and I was watching some. Uh, it's always sunny um, clips on on the old YouTube while we were going down. Um, Listeners, if you ever have it's always sunny questions, I'll answer any of them. Oh, perfect. I'm, I'm an enci- I'm an encyclopedic, a religious freak. I love it. To that show, um, Alvin. I would say probably, and I've mentioned this show in the past, and we've actually asked a former Ohio State player about this show in the past because he appeared on it twice. Um, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, I think, is my pick in part because if it's only one show. MST3K, I mean, if you don't know the premise, it's guys making fun of uh, crappy movies. And there's a lot of episodes. Each episode is super long. So that gives you a lot of content, right? Because it's the entirety of a movie that they're making fun of. So they're like an hour and a half long. Um, and I think it's one of the greatest shows ever made. So that's that would be me, MST3K, all the way from the the early access, you know, the, the UHF Minnesota days to the Netflix days. I think there's, I've cool. never heard anyone refer to it as MST three K, oh but gosh. that's how I know you're a fan. I'm of a true show. fan. I'm, I got a shirt. That's like, I, it's on constant repeat in my, uh, my t-shirts. Like, I love it. It's, it's one of my all time favorite shows. Maybe. I mean, the Simpsons is my favorite show. The, the first, <laughs> the first 20% of it, but, um, it's certainly one of the five best shows involving puppets ever made. Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Last one here. This is from uh, Jake in Atlanta. Heard you guys talking this week about hypothetical new names for the Big Ten. Thought you might be disappointed to learn that the Coast to Coast Conference, it's the one I came up with, is already taken by a D3 conference. Crap! Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm really angry about wow. that. Uh, but the Big Ten. Thank you, Hot Lana. Yeah, thank you. Uh, question: If someone wanted to replace Paul Keels as the voice of the Buckeyes when he retires, uh, what would be the best way to go about that? I think you should me. find. Yeah, me, me. I'll do it. Paul Keels does have an incredible voice. Uh, I, I do not, and I'm not in the running for that. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I think they should just get an established guy from elsewhere. I, I the thing is, is that. You know, it's radio has changed in a lot of ways. And I don't think you can just bring in a dude who's like, well, I really cut my teeth on these high school games. So I think I'm ready to go to the big time of Ohio State. Like you can't you can't do that anymore. You used to be able to do that. You used to be able to do that with broadcasting and radio. But now it's like you need to have a guy who I think people know 
who I don't know. I mean, I and I don't know who that guy is, but whatever that prospect it's Johnny is, Johnny Dubs. That's who that guy that's is. Right. The Ohio State University trusts Johnny Ginter to be the voice of the Buckeyes. Um, but regardless, I, I I do think it's going to have to be somebody who's already at least a little established. That's a really good question because Paul Keels, as great as he is, um, isn't going to you know do it for the rest of eternity. I mean, at some point he will have to retire. And like I said, I think they'll play by play is not an easy job. Uh, that's a guy who does both football and basketball. Um, it's difficult and you got to find a guy, I think with a decent amount of experience to do that. So I think that's what they'll probably do. So that's ask us anything for this week. Thank you for sending those in. You can always continue to ask us questions uh, by sending them to dubcast at 11 warriors.com. And we'll keep answering them. All right, let's get out of here on this. Oh, again, Ohio State, big year, a lot of teams coming up. We're going to hit this real quick, all right? One to ten, we're going to do the confidence level. How confident are you in a victory? One meaning Ohio State gets blown out by Georgia, or not, not Georgia, Clemson 35-0. to zero. Uh, Ten being a Rich Rod era Michigan game. Um so Indiana this coming week, and by the way, give me give me your score prediction because we're gonna have to do that with Indiana. So give me your score prediction just for Indiana. Oh, I we'll... can't. I, I I haven't looked at the the gambling lines yet. You oh, can't okay. You can't. You that. can't just. You can't just believe. You gotta believe. You can't I don't just... want to mislead the public, John. All right, fair enough. Well, then give me just me then just go ahead and give me your uh, give me your confidence level on this sucker then. Uh, I think Tom Allen's gonna get wiped up and down the floor with Ryan Day by Ryan Day once again. Yeah, it's they're going to get skunked. It's not going to be close. I'm going to give that a ten. I don't. I'm not at all worried about Indiana. Ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. And I'm also not worried about Youngstown State. Uh, that's also ten out of ten. Uh, Western Kentucky is going to be interesting. Um, I don't. Again, I've called this a quote unquote trap game. That doesn't mean I think Ohio State's going to lose. It just means that I think they could get caught looking ahead a little bit to Notre Dame and make this game more interesting than it, it actually should be. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a respectable. Uh, I'll give it a respectable seven. I think. Okay. In the event that Devin Brown like is firmly the starter at this point, sure. Like they know, regardless of whether it's Devin Brown or Kyle McCord, if they go into this game and they know who their guy is, they're not you know playing who who should we still run with heading into Notre Dame? Then I think that they'll they'll run away with this. If they're in a wishy washy position my confidence going into this is is much more shook if the defense makes early mistakes or something and Western Kentucky is right. able to put up points. Which, so again, I, they were the best passing offense in college football last year. They returned the you know one of the best passers in the entire country. They returned the, re, uh, the leading receiver, leading returning receiver in the country. Um, they can be dangerous. I don't think they're, again, they're not going to win. I don't think us particularly at home, particularly against a team that like defensively has them super outmatched. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, if you have any concerns about the DBs, this is going to be a game that either validates those concerns or maybe relieves them a little bit. And I, and I do. And I also have concerns with where the quarterback battle is going to be. And I was tongue in cheek about it a few weeks ago, but I did, when asked the question, what do you think Ohio State's most dangerous home game is? I said this one just relative to all the the context mm-hmm. that is going to be surrounding it. So I'm going to say six. I'm going to go even lower okay. than you. But we could get to like two weeks out. We could get to game week. We know who the quarterback is, and that could go all the way up to like eight at that point because right. we aren't worried about 
are they going to be running two quarterbacks out while trying to play from behind against the Hilltoppers? Right. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right. And that would be incredibly frustrating. And then of course the next week, um, you know, that's, that's the one that I think a lot of people are looking forward to just in part because it's a marquee name in part because it's at South Bend. That's kind of fun. Um, you know, Notre Dame last year, it took a while, I think, for that team to kind of find their footing just in general. Um, I think Marcus Freeman's a really good dude. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's going to be a good coach for them if he's not already. Sam Hartman, though, that's a guy coming out of Wake, um, doing some pretty good things, you know, throwing for thousands of yards. He's 24 years old. This is literally like his sixth, seventh season of, of college football. Um, you know, this is going to be, I think, a more dangerous team. Now, granted, you know, beating the crap out of a out of an academy school in the first week doesn't necessarily mean anything for when they play Ohio State. But I do think this is going to be a more improved team than maybe you saw last year, and one that's at least not nearly out of, as out of sorts. Um, so I think they're dangerous. And again, the fact that you have to play that on the road, that's tough. So while I do think Ohio State's the better team in this instance, um, you know, a lot of it depends on the quarterback play and that you could see a battle there. You could see a situation where one quarterback has to play the, uh, the you know, outplay the, the other teams. Um, so I give this a five. I'm a little, I'm a little shaky about this. I'm not, again, I, five implies a coin flip. I don't know that I actually feel that way. So maybe six is a little bit more appropriate. I do think Ohio State's got the edge on this, um, but it's going to be close. I think it's going to be closer than maybe people think. Yeah, I'm I'm a six too. Uh, I expect Hartman to test the defense in ways that they didn't necessarily have to deal with last year until they played Stetson Bennett, maybe, and right. it says something when the best quarterback you've played in the last calendar year is the mailman himself, Stetson Bennett. <laughs> That's right. Um, so they're they're gonna be tested, but I I think that uh, the the experience that they had going struggling against Notre Dame's defense at times last year is going to help them uh, game plan for this in the rematch uh, this year where I think the offense will maybe have it a little bit more opened up and I would expect by contrast if Notre Dame has to keep pace uh, with that kind of early scoring from Ohio State uh, Hartman may encounter a bit more turbulence just because Ohio State's defense is going to be, right. I think, more equipped to rise to the challenge than Notre Dame's defense will of Ohio State's offense. Yep. So I, I'm going to say 6-2. I don't want to say I'm more confident Ohio State's going to beat Notre Dame than I am they're going to beat Western Kentucky. Uh, so I'll say it's about the same at this moment. Um, but I, I feel reasonably confident that they're going to rise to the occasion uh, because you know that they've got that game circled as opposed to the one the week before where you're worried they might get caught. Yeah. Ahead. So, so uh, after Notre Dame, there's a bye week uh, you got to go to, you know, you got to, well, you don't go to Maryland, you host Maryland. Um, another passing team, you know, Tagovailoa is, is talented. I, I think he's pretty clear the best player on that team. They've got some guys to throw to. I think at that point, though, I mean, that's another situation where if you're worried about the DBs and you think that's a chance that Ohio State could lose or something like that, um, you know, you've got bigger problems in terms of the season, right? I, I think they'll handle Maryland. I'm not super concerned about it. I think that's an I'm, eight. I'm eight out of ten. Yeah. Their, their time to win was last year. Yeah, I agree. Week. I think it's eight. Purdue, 
curses don't exist in the last time that Purdue actually beat Ohio State. I know it's in I know it's in West Lafayette. Uh, <laughs> I know I know that's cursed. I know it's a you know horrible begotten place on on the uh, on the face of the planet. But Ohio State is much better than Purdue. Um, it's not particularly close in terms of talent. And honestly, the last time Purdue beat Ohio State, a lot of these guys were like 10, 12 years old. They weren't very old. I mean, this is like six, seven years ago. Um, five, six years ago, I guess. I uh, it, it, I'm not worried about it. My point is I'm not worried about uh, it. I'm not worried about it. I think they're going to win. I think this is an eight. I'm not – or not an eight. I would say a seven. I'm giving it a seven. I'm calling it this a six, man. The curse is real. Uh, curses aren't real. The curse is that. real. I, let me tell you something. I'm I'm gonna be at a uh, I'm gonna be at a wedding the night before this game. Now that's significant because it's it's Friday the thirteenth. No, uh, <laughs> so this is a Friday the thirteenth wedding. Yeah. The person that is getting married, uh, she she hates Ohio State, and she wow. grew up in like Jackson Township, and so she like she hates Ohio State. Okay. So I'm worried that she's going to capitalize on this Friday the 13th juju and she's going to like well, toast Purdue at this wedding. Guess what? And if she does that on Friday the 13th, they're going to lose. Nah, and it's well, going to go from a six to a zero. Okay, I'm well, telling game, you, man, Purdue is cursed. Okay, they well, the game are. is on the 14th, so I'm not super worried about it. If it were on a Friday, then maybe that would be fine. But curses, like, you know, all those curses and all those movies, they all and, end at midnight. There's a so. full moon the night of that game, man. I'm telling you, there's going to be bad vibes and it's going to be weird. Not worried about it. Next we'll week see. is Penn State. <laughs> Penn State is probably, in my honestly, outside of Michigan, I think they're the most talented team that Ohio State's going to play all season, at least in the regular season. Um, their running backs are really good. Uh, they've got Alaire coming in, who's very highly rated. Um, this is this is going to be interesting. Now, granted, they get them at Ohio Stadium, which is nice, and it's I think at a decent part of the season. You know, like maybe hopefully injuries haven't started to pile up and they're starting to get into their groove. However, Penn State, like I said, still super talented. Um, I kind of get this a coin flip. I, this is one of those games where I really think they've got – Ohio State's got a lot of things going for them. They will have a lot of things going for them at that point in the season. But Penn State, if you look at a lot of their positional groups, if you look at the running back room, as I said, um, they have the ability to take advantage of some of the things that Ohio State uh, maybe needs to to worry about a little bit. So I'm going to, I give that one a, a coin flip. I think this is the best team that James Franklin's had in a very long time. 10 out of 10. James Franklin sucks. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, next week's Wisconsin after that, which is like, boom, boom. You got to go to camp Randall, new coach, Luke fickle. Uh, they're going to try it. They're going to try to air it out a little bit more, do some different things. I think overall it's a pretty talented team. And I also think that it's, you know, like if you look at the schedule, this is I think on paper probably like the third or fourth toughest matchup that Ohio State has. Uh, with that said, I think that's still like a seven for me. I'm I'm not super concerned about Wisconsin this year, particularly in a transitional year. Um, you still got to play on the road; it's still a tough environment. But I'm not shaking in my boots on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna say seven. Uh, I I'm a little bit concerned if if wisconsin's defense is able to put the clamps on ohio state and and make it the kind of run grind it out war of attrition that they you know that jim harbaugh would probably like and and they're under those circumstances i'd be a little bit concerned 
but I don't know if Fickle's going to be able to put his alma mater in that kind of dogfight right away. Yeah, so it's going to take I'm, him some time to get to that point, I think. I yeah, agree. so I, I I feel reasonably good that they should pull that one out. But it, it could be interesting. It is a road trip to Camp Randall, is True. it not? It is, yeah. It's not, that's not a fun place. Ohio State has a game every time they go. Even though they've come out and won in most cases – it's a competitive ball game almost yes. every time they go there lately. So and honestly, that, that that's going to be, be that's close for comfort. That's their D day. That, that's going to be a huge game for them. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Rutgers, I, I'm not worried about Rutgers at all. Rutgers is booty. That's that's ten out of ten. I'm I'm cool with that. Um, I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> most scared, scared ten out of ten ever been that's right uh michigan state also not very good but mel tucker will be fine with it uh he'll he'll, he'll comfort himself with his many millions of how dollars. much do you think those nfts are still going for? <laughs> i had totally forgotten about that that's hilarious uh 10 out, well not 10 out of 10 but i'll give him a oh it's, it's 9 out of 10 i'm not worried about that game uh minnesota minnesota's weird pj fleck they, they have talent they have athletes they've got guys who can play uh, it just doesn't seem like they've got like a cohesive team, really. It, it really feels weird. I mean, again, a lot of people are putting them to finish like second behind Iowa in that division. Um, but that's kind of by dent of like who who else are you going to put in there? I mean, I guess like maybe Wisconsin or whatever. But like, I don't know, man. It, I would like to see where they're at at that point in the season because they could they might have either evolved into something really interesting or they could have just completely fallen apart. I feel like they can go completely either way. Uh, I'll put this one confidence level maybe out of seven. Yeah, I'll give it a solid seven too. Yeah, because they could be good. Michigan's the one that I'm afraid of. Michigan, look, they return a lot from last year. All the stuff that made Ohio State like freak out and basically lose the game, they, those dudes are back. They have the best running back tandem, I think, in the country. Um, McCarthy, I mean, look, I want to believe in the guy – I mean, I don't actually want to believe in the guy, but I, I want to believe what I saw was real. On the other hand, against TCU, he was garbage, and the reason why that team lost the game, uh, their defense couldn't stop TCU. I mean, that was that was pretty self evident. Um, they've got good linebackers, Anderson. I mean, they've got dudes you know who can play. They've got to figure out their DBs, their defensive line. They lost some guys there. Um, there's a lot of potential, but a lot of you know inexperience. Uh, offensive line is going to be excellent. They're, they still have road graders who are going to just maul people and just, you know, exert their will. This is going to be, again, this is going to be a run first team um, that's going to try to replicate what they did last season. And it'll be interesting to see if other teams have kind of figured them out a little bit. Still, it's Ann Arbor. They're going to be the most talented team Ohio, Ohio State plays all season. Um, it's going to be for all the marbles, probably. I, I am really nervous about this game, honestly. And I give me a three on this because I don't think, to me, everything's trending towards Michigan for this season. And Ohio State's still got a lot of questions to answer that Michigan already has, you know, those solutions for. So I'm giving it a three. I, I want Ohio State to win it, obviously. Um, but right now, you know, on August 27th, 2023. Uh, I'm giving it a three because I think they got a lot more to show than Michigan has. Michigan has the formula, right? Ohio State's got to figure that one out. I mean, for all the great offensive things Michigan brings back, and they didn't have quorum available either, but for right. all these great things we hear them bringing back, Ohio State brings just as much back on defense. That's true. The 
the common <laughs> trend. <laughs> but last year, how did that defense perform against that offense? Right, like that. Com- well, well, no. The important thing to remember is that Michigan got gifted. They they were they were going to get off the field, and then they, Michigan got gifted a very very fortuitous pass interference penalty in the end zone. Sure. That at that point kind of put the game a little bit out of reach. And you you felt that in the spirit of the defense because that was really when, uh, you know, the levy broke, so to speak, in terms of uh, that was after Donovan Jack or that was at that point when Donovan Jackson started running wild and everything. Um, but I bring that up because the the trend, the common takeaway in terms of what Ohio State needs to clean up from the Michigan game and the college football playoff loss to Georgia is you get your home run defense in place, as I was alluding to with Knowles needing to move away from the mentality of we can give up five bombs a game. Right. You take those bombs away or just mitigate it to one instead of three against good teams at the end of the season, you win. So I'm confident that they're going to do that by the end of the season because they know they can't make the same mistakes twice. And Knowles is a smart guy. And Day knows he's really, really, really got to beat Michigan this year or he's in uh, deep poop. Uh, I feel pretty good that they're going to get it done. I feel about as confident as I've been with them going into Ann Arbor probably since the week after they lost to Michigan State uh, in like 2015 just because I knew at that point that all the pressure was off them and they they were firmly in terms of having the momentum and wanting to get it back uh, or get one back uh, they were they were in a position to succeed, and then they went out and ran for like 350 yards on them. So I last year it was a bit of a weird dynamic. They were favored to win, but people were expecting Michigan to really, really give them a game. Now Michigan's got two in a row this year. You can tell that they're feeling themselves. They're ahead in the AP poll to start the season. Mm-hmm. If they don't screw up, you have to assume they're not going to fall from that perch. If they're ranked ahead of Ohio State the whole year going into Ann Arbor and then they get to host them at home, you have to think that they're going to be favored to win that game too. And I would think that Ohio State, with not having to play that with that pressure on them for the first time in a very long time in this rivalry, I think that that is going to help them succeed very much. So I'm... I'm going to say I'm at a very, very optimistic eight right now. Wow. That could fluctuate depending on what happens with injuries or whatever. Obviously, it's funny. I'm saying I'm more optimistic they're going to be Michigan than I am. They're going to be Western Kentucky. <laughs> but I just – I see the dynamics. I, I, I see how these the momentum you shifts the changes. You the read season. the lines of code, and you know exactly yes, I mean, where they're going to be. I see the ebbs and flows of the season, and I just try to give people the truth. All right. You know what? I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong. Um, and, you know, I've been wrong many times in the past. So we'll see how that goes. So that's that's our take on the season. Um, ultimately, you know, I think this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is going to be watching from the sidelines for the first three games. That's funny. 
<laughs> and we'll, yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. that that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Again, they're, they're playing complete scrubs to start the season. Any suspension for Harbaugh means absolutely nothing. But, you know, it is what it is. So that's the Dubcast for this week. I want to remind you, you can check out the Dry Goods store. I definitely recommend you check it out. It's uh, drygoods.11warriors.com. Uh, Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this jumbo-sized dubcast as we get into the season indiana's coming up man i'm excited i'll give you my take on the 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 final score here i think we're looking at like a 42 to 10 affair um oh yeah i don't know what the actual score like like the line is right now but i think 42 to 10 maybe 38 to 10 something around there i think that's that's what i'm looking at i think ohio state rolls pretty easily and then maybe they get a a touchdown on the backups but either way i'm excited i'm glad football's back and uh, I'm glad if we get to share it, George. It's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait, Johnny. It's going to be the most fun season of my life. So, until next week, uh, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time.